we are winding down on this program. Uh, I don't know if you can call it a mini-series. We've got 50-something episodes tucked under our belt, but the entire point of Inspire AD was to sort of go over the history of the company, detail it uh, for the sake of Texas wrestling history, uh, and also help our good friends out at uh, Steel Ring Post, uh, the spite site that was uh, genesis from the with spandex exodus following the Brandon Stroud debacle. Um, for those that don't know, Stroud, who was a part of our company at one point as the announcer, was the chief of with spandex to some extent. And after he was outed uh, as an abuser uh, and a groomer, uh, he was uh, he was un- he was removed as as the uh, as the guy from with spandex and the the whole department kind of collapsed and a lot of people found themselves shit out of luck and the guy who put that site together uh, Phil Librand actually asked us if we do this program as part of its content and it's taken on a life of its own but that life cycle is winding down as we approach the final two shows of inspire pros uh longevity i guess (laughs) um and looking back now it's crazy to think think about the next show that we're doing having transpired almost well actually over two years ago um i think when we also began doing this program i probably had some sort of delusion that this pandemic would end and things would kind of go back to normal, and we'd probably start doing this show semi-regularly, focusing on the shows going forward after a certain point. But 50-something episodes later, here we are, and the uh, pandemic is just its probably going to keep going and yeah. going and going. I was in the exact same boat. And, you know, it was like, okay, this would be something to keep us busy, you know, while we, we wait for things to be right. And, oh, what else needs to be said? Here we are, right? Everyone, everyone kind of knows the situation. Yeah, um, we are once again investigating options on doing some crowdless shows. I know Biss has quite a bit of trepidation about that. Um, we've all seen crowdless shows, and they're nowhere near as magical as when there is a crowd. Even when you're watching something on TV, there there has to be a crowd oftentimes for, for it to feel right. And uh, we have spent the last week actually talking about coming back. And doing something iPay-per-view oriented. And I'm of the opinion that we can make it happen. We just have to be creative. And we have to look at how wrestling was framed. How it was shot. And we have to approach it in a very different way. That still feels like wrestling. And isn't absurd like a lot of what you've seen <laughs> uh, other companies try and try and do. Yeah. and I mean, that's sort of it, right? Yeah. It's not so much that we just go, well can't do it and we throw our hands up we're constantly trying to come up with ideas of what we can do and it's really been a drag just to like constantly have those ideas kind of either kind of just self be shot down you know not be feasible because of the situation or you know like things escalate like we start to get to where we can start to do something and then there's a spike you know yeah. yeah, and and I I think with the uh, with, there's another variant on the rise by the by the name of the move variant, <clears throat> and I I strongly suspect that 
we're probably going to see another spike around January as people will go out and act a fool during the holidays. It's, it's, there's a cycle here. You know, I was, I was, I think we, we talked about coming back in September of this year. September was the first goal. Yeah. And then I said, well, I don't, I, I strongly suspect (laughs) things are going to go off the rail and Biz said, hold on, let me look out the window. Yeah. September. Yeah. Everything's burning. Yeah. Everything's burning. Yeah. But I I had said like, oh, I I think we're going to see some spikes after everybody goes off on vacation. And sure enough, here we are. And we've got another variant. that's actually children are susceptible to it. And I'll tell you with this move variant, I will not run shows if our cow fans are not welcome. So I hate you. (laughs) Fuck, man. What's wrong with you? Jesus Christ. Okay. (laughs) I'm the dad here. Why Why are you telling the <laughs> oh, dad jokes? So, yeah, man, here we are. Um, down to the last several episodes. I guess we kind of have to see how these play out. Um, and I don't, I don't know if we're going to keep going. I don't know if we have enough in the tank to keep going. I guess we can try to just have episodes where we talk blatant shit on the <laughs> Texas wrestling scene. For example, something kind of funny erupted this past week uh, with respect to the uh, Dallas DFW area uh, wrestling. Um, and I like the fact that at this point, since the world is burning down and there is no law and there's no fear of repercussion, we can talk enormous bags of shit <laughs> on people who are in the business. Because to be frank with you, like I'd say 90% of the people that run wrestling companies are total fucking clowns. They are. I don't care. If it pisses people off, I don't really give a fuck. I was actually thinking about that, not that statement exactly, but basically that, like, like, okay, who's left running? Yeah. A lot of the, a lot of the guys that are, I don't know, maybe I just don't see their shit anymore, but like, I don't notice, like, I don't know, maybe I just have a lot of that shit filtered out because I'm starting to think of names. I'm like, oh yeah, I just heard that he did something shitty the last week. Yeah. But like, I don't really see these like, fly-by-night shitty small-town shows that are pounding their chest anymore. Yeah. Like, have, have I just, like, become part of the uh, part of the community that has just a blind eye to that shit? Or are there less of these fuckheads running? I think... I think there are new fuckheads that you're just not familiar <laughs> I with. don't know them yet. Yeah, yeah. There are people... That, I mean, I've seen some stuff pop up, and I'm just like, who the fuck is this Jay Barone? Yeah. Um, and I will say that the two involved here are people that at least run without like within like the rules of fucking professional wrestling and aren't so okay the 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 drama that we're referring to that erupted involves uh two companies up north one is it paleo pro wrestling Uh, paleo pro yes yeah paleo pro wrestling and uh mpx a stalwart staple of the dfw wrestling scene did you know that i was uh, i was quasi offered the booking job there at one point no yeah um, hey, it's the Biss Show. Let's talk about Biss. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, no, I'm <laughs> awesome. Um, <laughs> it, um, I, it, I was still with ACW, and they uh, tried to poach you, bro. No, no, no. It was there was like a weird working relationship, and like um, I've got I forget the whole situation. Um, but yeah, like um, I got asked if I would do it, and I was like, yes, I want to do this, and then like somebody else within the company shot it down and they went with somebody else. Um, 
and they shot it down because I would have to travel from Austin or some bullshit like that. Yeah. But I was like fucking delivering pizza at the time, so it was no so, deal. So, you know, MPX is a, a successful, long-standing staple in Texas wrestling overall, I would say. And it has roots in, in uh, other other previous companies, I think is fair to say. Um, but uh, so and who, who runs it? Uh, like who? Who the yeah, owner? Kirk, Stephen Kirby is the owner. Okay, so Stephen. Okay, yeah. so Kir- Stephen Kirby is the owner. Yes. Okay, he's not the primary booker though. No. Is he? Um, uh, Dick Hill. Okay. Richard Hill is the uh, is the booker. Right. Who was a booker in Michigan and then came down and the, booked. The, yeah, the venerable Richard Hill, whom many people respect and love. Um, in fact, I've had Richard Hill's name thrown in my face oftentimes when people dissect my booking. They go, <laughs> they go, well, Richard Hill does. Like, I don't give a fuck what Richard Hill does. No disrespect I, to Richard yeah, Hill. I, I mean, I love Richard as a person. But yeah. Richard Hill's booking is very much. So Richard moved down to Texas in the mid 2000s as a booker to yeah. like help out book, I think. I'm sure his shoot job was involved, but that's my understanding of it. I'm sure that was spiced up somewhere. Yeah. But. That's the style of booking he still does to this. Yeah, day. yeah. He, you know, and that's what he does. If you pay him, that's what you're paying him to do. So, so whatever. But it's not not exactly nuanced booking. No, it's not. It's it's different from what we do. And a lot of the times, I, ha- I you know, my style has always been I'll come to the table and go, hey guys, I have this idea. And a lot of people will just shoot it down because it's really never been tested before. But I think like I'm really into risk and gambling and trying new things. You know, I think honestly, I'm going to say this. Situations where wrestlers come or go and it impacts the trajectory of what you want to do. Like, chuck that out the window. I think I've only had, in my opinion, over the span of the company, two episodes where I was disappointed with how something went. Um, and when you consider the, the wide berth of other shit that did click, I'm fine with that. <laughs> you know? you know. Um, but anyway, let's stop talking about us and start talking yes, shit on other people. On these guys. Okay. So, uh, so the, I don't know why companies do this up there. But uh, they oftentimes in, in DFW, companies will run against one another. They'll go head to head. I don't know. Well, I don't I don't see the point in it. Um, well, I'll bring it. Which is, hold on. I got to say one thing. I don't remember the name of this brain damaged ref that gave us shit when oh we talked. Remember yeah. this? This asshole. I can't remember his fucking name. I want to say it's like Stephen Hatfield or some shit like that. That might be it. Fucking yeah, hat. The he was like a yeah. ref or something, and uh, he went on social media and bashed us when uh, said when like uh, there was a moment you? there was a moment where you and uh, you and heavy metal pro people and sabotage oh, people and right. and uh, you know everybody like these companies that were doing the triple shots and stuff like that. You know, the, the, the weekends from heck, uh, we're all in the ring together, all the promoters in the ring together, holding hands, literally holding hands and holding each other's hands up in this moment that was like, yeah, we did this. And the photo was posted on Twitter and someone said, I never thought I would see the day where you saw something like this that is so cooperative. And this dipshit Hatfield, oh man, I'll fucking stomp on his head if I ever fucking see this guy. Uh, He went on on social media and denigrated the moment, which is ironic because it's like, he's like, (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. This is nothing new. We've 
been cooperating with each other for years up here. And it's like, first of all, what you're doing is like the antithesis of cooperating with another wrestling company. You're shooting down what we have. You're like fucking diminishing a moment <laughs> because you feel it didn't include you or that yep. you guys were the first to land you on the... get a rub out Yeah, of you, you landed on the fucking moon. Congratulations. <laughs> Pull the flag out of your ass. Yeah. Anyway, this guy talking shit... Uh, yeah, it goes on to just, like, put us down because he says, DFW, everybody gets along. No, they don't. Nobody in DFW gets along. Like I said, I can't tell you how many times since I've started doing this where I've looked up north and seen, hey, why is Smash Mouth running against this company? Or why is MPX and this company running on the same night? You know, because it's it's avoidable. Yeah. DFW um, was was, like, at its peak that I've seen it was a combination of PCW and XCW going to war with each other on opposite nights and like just the most heinous shit said back and forth like um like gay baiting the other uh people's champion you know was it was a big thing at the time right like um is like get the get the hell out of here you know yeah um, <laughs> I think honestly, a lot of people who are involved in pro wrestling, I said like 90% of them are clowns. They're not only clowns, but they're marks for themselves. Yeah. And I'm a guy that hates the term mark. I never refer to fans as marks, but I think the only people that can be marks in this business are in the business. That is a bold statement. It's a fact and it's the truth. And here's the deal. Okay. <laughs> you just went from, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you shut the fuck up, go man. I'm, I'm going to give you room. Look, okay. I'm give you room. So uh, what, what I'm, what I'm saying here is that a a lot of the times, like a lot of the drama that erupts, it's avoidable <laughs> it's and, it, and it's totally ego driven. It's people like just fluffing their own fucking shit up. Right. A good example of this is when we had that issue where Sammy Guevara shot on Brandon from fucking River City Wrestling. Yep. Right. And everybody was like, oh, bullshit, this is fucking crazy. Everybody in the audience thought it was a work, right? Yeah. But Brandon had to fucking send nasty texts <laughs> and get shitty. And instead of, like, actually being a mature adult who's in business, had to shoot himself in the fucking foot. Me, I'm in the back going, I'm stroking my chin. And I'm going, there's something here. Everybody in fucking Texas at that point who was in wrestling was like, dude, bro, did you hear what Sammy said? Bro, what's going on? The people in the audience are going, wow, this is a great angle. And meanwhile, Brandon's down south going, those sons of bitches, you know. And wh who was the guy that threatened me? From River City? Yeah. Was it Joey Spector? Yeah, Joey Spector. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, Joey Spector threatened to beat me up in the is, parking isn't lot. Isn't he a sex pest? Didn't he get outed? I have I no. I would did. not. I would not be shocked. Yeah. But I'm I think, man, sure I can't. Was. I can't wait to come back eventually, so that like at the time I was pretty contrite and I kept my head down. But after going through a lot of the shit that I have, if someone were to threaten me today, I would drive to their fucking <laughs> show and I would beat their fucking teeth in with a mag light. I don't give a fuck anymore. I've gone through enough shit. Yeah, Joey Spector threatened me. But anyway, it's like, you know, if you were like a mature adult in the business, like, and you saw this as a business and it wasn't really about your own ego or your own trip or your own drama, Brandon would have stepped aside and been like, you know what, man, this is an opportunity. But people up in Dallas, they're always bickering and they're always running against each other. And I see this all the time. Yeah. You know, well, here's the deal. It's it's two cities, right? It's, it's DFW, but it's fucking two cities. It ain't, it's like, you know, it's like... It's the same kind of area. It's like, you know... Understood. Same geographical. But there's yeah. a fuckload of people in one area, right? 
Um, Den- I would even say Denton is oh, like yeah. it's like a stone's throw. It's yeah. not like you it's know. It's all the same fucking yeah. thing, right? So there, and I want to say there's like twelve or thirteen fucking promotions. There's only so many fucking weekends a, a fucking month, right? Yeah. So they ha- just by pure numbers, they have to run against each other. Now, if you take the distance that they're running against each other, it's probably fairly close to the distance from, like, here to, to North San Antonio, where we run in North San Antonio. Yeah. Like, in all actuality. So, like, are they really running against each other? Would they ever draw the people that are going to go to the other show? Sometimes they are. Sometimes yeah. the companies are, are stone's throw from each the, other. The absolute you know? hardcore. True, true. It's, it's, that's not the case. There was a weekend where like, Smash Mouth, like, what, there was, like, this weird... When Smash, Smash Mouth Smash, and, when, NWA, and yes. um, NWA ran, yeah, Smash was, Mouth was an Smash NWA Mouth company. Remember that day? Like, there, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, when yeah, I was pissed because yeah. I was, you know, like I we've I think we've talked about some Smash Mouth stuff. I've been part of the Smash Mouth show since they started, basically. Yeah. So yeah, Smash Mouth started as an NWA affiliate, and then like IWA, IW. Uh, I-H- I-H-W-E. God, that acronym drives me... <laughs> but, iconic... I you, <laughs> iconic Heroes and, of Professional yeah, it started Wrestling. started out as Insane Hardcore Wrestling Entertainment. <laughs> and it's Iconic Heroes of Wrestling. And God bless Fuller. He means, he means well. But it was weird. It was weird to see like this NWA-affiliated company just sitting on the curb over here looking fucking sad. And then you had the Fuller's company over here with yeah. like fucking... like the, Some of the NWA guys actually there. They, were, they loaded up and it's yeah. like... What? Hey guys, what the fuck happened? It's just like, yeah, I don't know. So to that to that dickhead Hatfield in the striped shirt, yeah. uh, who talks about how yeah, like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. We've been fucking cooperative up here with our 800 companies for fucking. <laughs> who, who two years later may or may not be involved in the business. Uh, who knows? Who cares? <laughs> um, I'm, I mean, you know, my dream is that he hears this and goes. What the fuck? I'm gonna go on Facebook and talk shit. Uh, anyway, moving right along. So, <laughs> something happened this past week. So there's a there's a wrestler there's a there's a wrestling manager by the name of Nastico. Um, I have my own thoughts on Nastico, um, but but I I think that that guy and I you know I hope that he can understand that I'm speaking as a uh, a 44 year old man who's been some places uh more places than even your typical 44 year old man uh when i say that nastico's kind of a dumb kid he's naive you know um i think he has a spark of something he gets crowds to respond to him i don't always think that the crowds that respond are necessarily responding to him because up up in dfw you have a fan base that kind of clicks together you have fan groups like you i i hate this by the way where you have like fans who cluster together and form facebook groups about their social activities as fans going to shows and i hate it because these people are so fucking basic they're like the applebee's of pro wrestling fans right like they go and they fucking they boo the heel on principle i hate that it's like oh he's a bad guy i'm gonna boo him i hate that shit you know uh but anyway nastico i'm a-okay with booing the bad guy but it's cool yeah but like you should boo the bad guy be not just because he's a bad guy you should boo him i think you should if someone's shitty at being the bad guy just you know sit on your hands who gives a fuck yeah you know what i mean the only facebook group i know that that doesn't really apply to but go ahead i'm sure there are shitty groups like that go ahead what group the only one i know is that baracho crew group 
Okay, there's a, those there's guys a few, are fairly good fans. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a few others, um, but they they'll like I like I saw like MPX well, MPX addicts like yeah some that some, Baracho crew came from that Southwest yeah and and some of that got sort yeah. of like that yeah you see these fans like actually cutting promos on wrestlers in the Facebook groups like uh, we're coming for you brother the fans are coming after you it's like okay whatever you're right that weird MPX shit yeah go ahead yeah 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 yeah, yeah. anyway I, I know what you're talking about so um. Nastico is on the Paleo show, and there's Paleo Pro Wrestling and MPX, and they're running head to head, right? I don't know the distance between the venues or anything, but these screenshots surface of Nastico offering free tickets to uh, fans who might be interested in going to the MPX show. It's like, whatever, who cares, you know? My opinion is that if someone's gonna jump at free tickets versus the quality of your, your show, you don't want them, you know? Um, is that fair to say? Absolutely. Okay. Like, like, if someone's just going to, like, you know, if somebody would rather sit in line and scream about the fact that they ran out of chicken nuggets <laughs> one day instead of just going down the street and getting something else uh, for a few bucks, it's like, fuck that shit. Am I going off the rails here? A little bit. A little bit. Like, it would be the same thing if they got free tickets to the fucking art museum. Yeah. And decide to go to that. All right. You didn't do enough to bring them in the fucking door. Yeah. If, if free is the hook, then... You know, yeah. who cares? Um, you know, you don't need them. Um, but anyway. I'm going to put a pin in it and let you finish, but I have a question that neither one of us will be able to answer. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, I love. Well, okay, shit. So Nastico goes online and he's like trying to, for lack of a better word, poach people to go to the paleo show. And that's fine, whatever. But then some of the people that he approaches Go, oh, yeah, cool, sure, we'll take the tickets. And then they block Nastico and screenshot the conversation, and they send it over to good old Stephen Kirby, who reacts in just the best possible shining fucking sense that a grown-ass man <laughs> does. And he fucking doxes fucking, gener- uh, fucking uh, 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 Nastico. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, first of all, that response of his, I thought, made him look kind of like a douche. Yeah. Um, I think that a grown-ass man would have just reached out to Nastico, being the stupid kid that he is, and say, hey, man, this isn't appropriate uh let's make this right it's all about turning negatives into positives and responding to people like the old idea like oh i deserve to be respected no you don't deserve to be respected act like a fucking decent human being and just hit the dude up privately don't fucking share the dude's photo around a bunch of groups and kind of like sick people on them that's the that's what i got out of it am i wrong no no like and like number number two (laughs) <laughs> That's number one. Number, number number C. Number two. Okay. Uh, semicolon C. Um, bylaw one point five. Fucking like it just makes wrestling look like shit. Like I love confrontation in wrestling. I love the fact that AEW shits on WWE and WWE shits on AEW. That shit's funny to me. I grew up with WCW and WWE. Yeah. Like, but <laughs> when. When the confrontation is like this shitty, petty, indie scum shit, it makes <laughs> us look really bad. It does. Like, go in the ring and, like, make a little snide comment towards the other company. Don't fucking fuck them over to other building. Once you just you just put your dirty laundry out there, it makes you look like shit. To be, be a little subtle about it. Be a little creative about it. Have a little bit of couth about it. And, and if the fans know, it makes it even better. If they don't, then they will fly right over their head. It doesn't matter. The So the question that I would like to know the answer to that neither one of us probably can't answer, 
Did Nasco work for MPX beforehand? I don't think he ever worked for MPX. I don't know anything about his his history because, yeah. quite frankly, I don't give a shit. Um. Like, it would <laughs> true, but but like, let's just take the names out of it in this situation. Yeah, if there was somebody working for one company and then they started working for another company and they were up against each other and then sent hardcore fans from the other company, hey, I can get you free tickets to this one. Like, it's a little shady. I I. I I would kind of be like, hey, man, that's fucked up. At the same time, like, it's wrestling. Yeah. You know? Like, Who cares? <laughs> really? I just, yeah. anyway. It's just, it's just funny to see how violently people react to, like, something that they they could handle very professionally. Like, not only not only that, but like I said, spinning a negative into a positive where, you know, if this, first of all, um, I, I, I like to think that we're all here to help each other. Right. Yeah. So when someone does something like that, especially someone who's so young in the business, such as Nastico, um, guide them. Yeah. Don't you know, you don't don't put a bounty on their fucking head. Well, and I feel I feel bad for Nastico. I feel like I feel like that guy actually gets shit on quite a bit. Ooh, I mean, you got to give the guy credit. I mean, he's going to bust his ass for you if he if you book him on the show. Like he he's is working for your company, man. He's mm-hmm. he's doing whatever he can. He's. He's literally trying to poach crowds. He is, he is a good guy, and he does care. I will yeah. say that. And I, I mean, I remember hearing a story really recently about how uh, someone involved with our company got mad at him for not taking his mask off at the AAPW show that he was on. Yeah. Because they thought that, like, you don't work me, brother. And it's like, no, man, the, this is the tradition of the lucha. <laughs> and he, like, takes that very seriously. He's, he's doing what he's supposed yeah. to, man. In fact, the guy actually spit in Nastico's face, uh, which I thought was weird i mean like i said it's like about people being marks for themselves and not really i don't know the just people continue you give people a little bit of power and you see how they conduct themselves with it and a lot of the time in this business i'm very disappointed with the results ego man yeah ego ego is a mother anyway (laughs) we should probably get on with uh with our or actually, the last this is, we're down to the last two of live yeah. events that that we hosted. We we're probably going to go a little bit longer with the these next two episodes. Uh, I hope you're okay with that. Um, but yeah. So anyway, on to today's uh, subject, which is the event known as License to Death Wish Three, which occurred in September of 2019. Uh, this is like I said, we're down to the last two yeah. shows, and this it's is a, I this feel, I'm feeling a little melancholy. Yeah, I know. I, when I walked up today, it was like, wow, man, there's only only two shows left. Yeah. Um, this was a weird time period for for me at least. Um, this was uh, I took a promotion at work right after this show. Mm-hmm. That like I don't want to. It, it comes off like I'm being like the fucking carny wrestling and like like not a, not opening up but there's certain legal things I can't talk about um but like basically I was signing up for a ramp situation like like 16 hours a day type type stuff yeah so you were, like, you were beat to shit at this point <laughs> yeah so I think I pretty much can was sure I had broken my foot at this point too yeah right? um so like I, just, I remember just being physically beat and then being like holy shit I'm about to undertake like a a product ramp again um and and make a pretty big move in my in my you know my shoot job brother um 
and uh, just how nervous I was about that and then just um, wanting to make sure that this show went off without a hitch because like as you guys will hear about we you know we we took sort of a risk here that, that paid off majorly I think um, oh absolutely um, give you a little I, teaser I think this was also um, I think this is one of the first times that I felt doubt in my ability to put a show together and create opportunities for workers uh, I was I was a little peeved at this show, actually, uh, there, there, there's a match that, that occurs in the car that I put together. And, um, at this point, I think the writing is on the wall with AEW and you're starting to see a lot of guys, uh, evaporate and sign exclusive contracts or go to NXT. The indies at this point were kind of, kind of barren. There weren't a lot of people that, uh, you know, that you could go to. This was the time period where you would see... NXT tryouts, and then, like, a week later, you would see fucking, like, five or six, sometimes seven or eight, indie darling names in the fucking property of NXT t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know... I always felt like uh, your wrestle circuses, the spot shows, they really depended on uh, the names. People would get excited to see these exotic commodities. And I was always really interested in world building, storytelling, character building stuff. Um, And so uh, we were really struggling to figure out who we were going to put up against Ricky Starks here. And this was very, very difficult. Uh, because at, at this time we'd had this match where we put the belt on Ricky Starks and, uh, we did that with a, a match against him and, and Steve Arena, which I think was a first time match. I don't think that had ever happened uh, before. If, if it had before, it was no one had seen I, I'm it. I'm guaranteeing yeah. you it, it, it had never happened before. Yeah. And that's kind of what made it feel special. Um, the way that we crowned it and the way that we did it, I wasn't super hot on putting the belt on Ricky and not because Ricky's great. I just felt like if he was going to get the belt, it should have been at the end of a chase or something. Um, to be honest with you, there was friction between Steve-O and Ricky. Um, and that... Ricky was in a uh, uh, in this space where he didn't want to work with Steve-O. So we weren't going to get much out of that, which actually really complicated things. Yeah. And I still suspected that Ricky was going to disappear at any moment because I'd been hearing rumblings about stuff in the NWA, which was running its power show at yeah. that point. Yeah. Um, but I... There was talk about flying somebody in. I think at this point we were volleying names around, many different names for who Ricky was going to wrestle. And it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense for me, but I remember like I got a lot of pushback from several people within the company, and uh, I wanted to do something kind of different that went back to what we had done with uh, ACH, where yep. ACH got to pick two opponents to defend the title against for the first time and create opportunity where he went up against Zach Taylor and of course his friend Davey Vega, whom, you know, again, writing on the wall there, Albert knew he was leaving to go somewhere else. And so he was doing like a lot of farewell type stuff, you know? And I think at the same time, while Ricky wasn't exactly chomping at the bit to work with some of the guys that we put in the ring here with they were still guys that he helped train he had a hand in training them uh and i thought that these guys had a lot going for them and i thought they had a lot on the ball and i thought that we could create a moment that helped actually elevate talent and uh showcase them in a way that made people excited to see them at the next show yes so for the next year hopefully yeah hopefully yeah um yeah and this is a great callback really 
yeah. in, my, in my mind, and from I remember when it being pitched, it's a great way to, to call back to the Albert thing because of how closely connected Albert and Ricky were. Yeah, we. The, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll get to that when we get to that match. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so at this point, um, I, I also want to say that I really enjoyed working at Blue Genie. I found it to be exceedingly easy. Um, I liked having more space. I liked having more space for the tables, and I liked having everything kind of just be central in one room. Yeah. You know, I liked the idea of the bar at AFS, but also it was cool having you know having people not have to leave the room to go get a drink. Yeah. We did have a bar in the the afs space as well in the room but i I felt like this this worked out pretty well i will say the first time though that we ran there they were not fucking ready for us they ran out of beer right yeah they ran out of beer and that pissed me off um so yeah anyway i i'm sad that they don't want us back but i will say i actually really enjoyed working with the staff and i really enjoyed that the actual space and the layout and and i thought man this is a good concession if we can't be at afs And, and i really do i really do start to wonder is it that they don't want us back or is it that they're not ready to hold events? Uh, Cause I still, I haven't seen an event listed for that space. I guess we'll know come yeah. Christmas. Yeah. You know, if they do that, God, gosh, darn, I can say it. God fucking Christmas bizarre thing again. Then we'll know we're just hosed. Yeah, definitely. Um, anyway, it doesn't even matter because we ain't running live events anyway. You don't want to run a Christmas show? No, I don't. COVID Christmas? Yeah. Super spreader? Yep. Anyway, so we uh, we have a dark match here where we got we got to kind of uh, bring out this character again that I'd kind of cooked up for our friend uh, from the Heavy Hearts, <laughs> whom we'd repackaged as the legend of the Golden Ghee, who was managed by, at that time, Mark Glatt. Now, the idea here was to have this guy who was based on the real-life Frank Dukes. I don't know if a lot of our listeners know who Frank is, but if you've seen Bloodsport, you fucking know who Frank <laughs> Dukes is. But the hilarious thing about Frank's, Frank, Frank Dukes is if you read about him as a person, um, he, he kind of developed a reputation as being a notorious liar. Um, he's kind of like the little, little big man. Uh, he claimed to have gone to various fighting tournaments known as the Kumite, and he said he held all these, these records and that he was a Navy SEAL, and, and a lot of people uh, would kind of call him out on his shit. Um, uh, there's not a lot to corroborate a lot of his stories. So uh, while I think Frank Dukes actually had some sort of legitimacy to himself as a fighter, I think a lot of his stories are just tall tales. Uh, and so I wanted to create a character that basically tugged on the essence of Frank Dukes. And we've got this guy who we would kind of promote as being uh, a Kumite <laughs> fighter who, who actually went to the Kumite and lost, which is a hilarious thing because the whole thing is Kumite is fight to the death. Yeah. So if you lose a Kumite, Kumite, you're supposed to be dead. So yeah, he's like he's he's like a, a Kumite competitor who actually didn't didn't win the Kumite. Um, the gear that was made for this gimmick was great. It was a lot of fun, and of course he has he has this manager uh, who he's supposed to kind of just tug in the front, tug in the way, and get involved and kind of let him take a beating, and then he capitalizes whoever he's fighting. He's supposed to be kind of cowardly, and the idea was to kind of build Mark Glad up and build some sympathy for him. But we really didn't get to run with this to the extent that we wanted to because uh, COVID. Um, we, you know, our storylines got cut short. Um, but also, I don't, you know, Mark Glatt was kind of an issue. A problem. Yeah. He became an issue. Um, and uh, 
anyway, yeah, we also got to do the the rounds thing here, which where, is something I seriously really wanted. to Yeah, do. there were there were a lot of moving components yeah. to this, and I thought it was a lot of fun. And I really just kind of my idea was to create this character to be a foil to Jenna Lynn. Yeah, who was kind of well, doing this in Karate Kid kind of kind of yeah, thing? And then, well, in the round style, um, European style was really something I wanted to use to set Aaron Mercer aside. Yeah, but Aaron Mercer, of course, tore his knee apart like a month before the show. Right, and this so. gave us an opportunity. He was supposed to actually be uh, Legend of the Golden Geese opponent for this dark match, yeah. kind of like you know feel it out and i really loved working with aaron uh leading up to this but then of course there was an injury uh at this point the heavy metal guys were coming up and they were sitting at a table in the back and they were you know chilling chilling out enjoying the show it was cool it was cool having dylan around um but we wound up using a guy by the name of danny excuse me danny adams who was great i was i like when i saw him i was just like this guy this guy has something and i was eager to actually try and do some stuff with him yeah. Um, with Danny Adams, of course, the uh, the famous Dan the Dad. Yes. Um, which is funny. It's almost like the Norman Smiley deal, mm-hmm. right? Where a guy that like just is a really good, technically sound hand gets gets like a weird gimmick, a funny gimmick like that. Like Danhausen, too. Yeah, yeah, dude. Like, do people not realize how talented that dude is? It's really weird. People like people like talk about how awful Danhausen was, and I'm like, I guess you guys don't remember when Danhausen was tearing the house down with Gargano and yeah, shit like that. Bro. Like, like the funny thing too is like when I hear people talk about him, like he's uh like he doesn't work out. Like that dude is fucking shredded. Like yeah, when he does the character, he does the weird like hunched over thing. But like that he's, dude is still ripped. Fuck you. He's playing a really great. <laughs> physical character like to me it's like when i watch him he's he's also a fan of cinema so he knows what he's he's very self-aware he knows what he's doing with his body and he knows how to present a lot of a lot of guys out there i said this a long time ago man go watch fucking buster keaton if you want to know how to sell and like um or harold lloyd you know you can tell me you don't enjoy a match like for the duration of the match that you don't dig that in your wrestling cool but you can't tell me like the vignettes and the promos that that guy does, does doesn't make you at least chuckle, you know? Yeah. Get out of here with that shit. Oh, some people are just too serious. Yeah. But you know what? Not everything should be for them. I think like you look at wrestling, it should be kind of like a a platter, an assortment of flavors, and I think that that's really what makes wrestling fun. Uh, some people just don't. A, I don't know. A people, buffet, if you will. Yes. A, a charcuterie board. A, a poo poo platter. Yes. Um. Sometimes literally poo poo. Anyway. Um. Legend of the Golden Key goes over by uh, capitalizing on a situation where he pulls Mark Glatt in front of him, and you know, and he want, and Mark Glatt gets laid out, of course. And uh, Danny, being the ethical person he is, is a little concerned that he's injured this 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 poor innocent person. And Golden Key just jumps on the opportunity, brother, and that's really the flavor. Is we wanted this cowardly, yeah. bullshitter martial artist character, <laughs> kind of like kind of has like an Ernest the Cat feel to him. Yes, oh, um, absolutely. And it, it, he would have been fun and i think he would have been a lot of fun if we'd been able to build up to him and yeah. jenna and, and like uh danny at this point is somebody that we're like oh shit let's, let's we gotta do some here. we gotta do some stuff with danny um and after that though the we go to the main show and we wanted to start off with something real big something high flying something dynamic something spotty i think a lot of the time i like to start with the, the spottiest match sometimes that we can we can get out of our combination of players because i think that you know, people come. I don't start with promo because people don't come to see promos. Uh, and you really want, you know, whatever impression you make, the first impression you make, you want it to be the most dynamic. Yeah, I think. 
There are people who will come to our shows who've never seen live wrestling before. Yeah, show them wrestling. Yeah, not yeah. even just wrestling, just the craziest shit, and, you know? And I think for us, too, like, for us, promo at the start of the show really fucking, like, irks us. Yeah. Because that was what really started kind of the decline of wrestling from, like, our peak enjoyment of it. I think so, was yeah. they started throwing somebody out on on Monday night. Two or three fucking, like, commercial breaks with still yeah, the promo going on. Promo. Yeah. And it's like... I grew up on fucking Nitro where, like, the guys that cut promos weren't even in the building for the first hour. So I got I, to see Luchador's kid. Man, I mean, like, okay, so, like, you spend a lot of your time in the back, you yeah. know? And and I uh, I think sometimes people gave me shit for not being in the back necessarily, but it was mainly because I was watching the crowd. Yeah. And while Matthew Palmer did a lot to help me realize how the rhythm of a card should go, um, watching how people respond to things really helped me find my game and figure out how things should go. And this is definitely, for me, the kind of match that I think should start a show. And here we have Fly Def, uh, who are uh, Booker T students, um, very athletic, have a great look, can really go in the ring. Uh, and they are with AQA here. Anything? And you were excited about? Oh, AQA uh, was amazing. Like yeah. she's since been signed. Like this is somebody I really wanted to start bringing yeah. in on more often. Um, she had a, a health scare that delayed her from being there. Was super like super worried. Like she was gonna get yelled at for being late. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like when she came there. Oh yeah. Is um, not something we really really do. Never, like, never. Like, so it was more like. Hey, are you healthy? Like, yeah, are you okay? What is this health care, and are you going to be okay? Or, yeah, um, and and the uh, and but but also they go up against uh, Fuego del Sol, who's now on AEW. His, his main, yeah, yeah, and this is his main card debut for us. So, yeah, you know, much like AEW, he starts on the dark match and works his way up. <laughs> um, Fuego is somebody that you know he legit is one of Sammy's good friends. So this is somebody Sammy mentioned to us quite a bit, mm-hmm. and. Um, it was just somebody that wouldn't fit, and I don't think he he was ready. Like it's gonna sound weird because now now that he's gotten a chance, he's blown up on AEW. I think he's ready. I think like no, no, at this point. Okay, we used to kind of we used to kind of take the piss. I mean, yeah. do you remember when he did the the most humble thing? Yes. <laughs> His but attitude like he, was hilarious. Like he was on other shows though, and I would watch him, and there would just be something missing. Yeah. He like he could do phenomenal things. But there was just it just wasn't pieced together right. Yeah. And this was where he was starting. Yeah, I had the I had psychology some, wasn't fucking there at one point. Yeah, I, I think I'll like, say it. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think he was I think he was I pumped the brakes a little bit yeah. on using him only for the, so he he made a post where he was like all I'm really fucking good, guys. I'm really fucking good. Like, if, why am I not on more shows? Why am I not being yeah. booked? And then he went on something about how, like, he's so humble. <laughs> and he's the most humblest. And I was just like, oh, my God, this guy's hysterical. Like, yeah. But, um, no, I thought, I think he's talented. He's a really sweet guy. I loved having him in the in the, the locker room. Um, a lot of people really enjoyed him. Also on this team is uh, Seishin. Uh, yeah. Um, the little Dragon. Little Dragon, Blue Dragon, Blue Dragon. or uh, 2D Lynn. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that was ever, like, actually a moniker, but she's been announced that so many places. Yeah. Um, Love she was, her. She was announced that in NWA in St. Louis for her, like, big homecoming match. So, like, uh, one of my, my favorite favorite people from out of state, one of my favorite people to work with. Just yeah. a really bright, uh, 
cheerful person. Yeah. And a legit little badass. Like, um, she goes, man. Big background in karate could, could probably knock anybody out if she really wanted For to. For real. She's tough, man. Yeah. And she's had a life. You know, she's a, she's a really interesting character. I always enjoy reading her social media, too. Because she's, um, you can tell that she's, she comes from a place of, of, fandom she has a yeah. great abiding respect and love for what she's doing and you can see that she's so excited it's really wonderful when you see somebody who comes up and you see them standing shoulder sh- shoulder to shoulder with their own heroes yeah. that is so fucking awesome to see yeah and she also comes to every show with a reptar backpack which is at least two <laughs> bonus points for me and then of course rounding out their trio is mysterious q yeah q, q was a little disappointed with his debut so he was really looking to kind of... Um, did I tell the Q story last show? I don't think so. Okay, so here's the mysterious Q story. And this is why we we didn't use Q for a long time. It's going to be the Bish show again, folks, so strap on in. Um, when I was booking in Houston, um, we had an, an angle where all the baby faces were supposed to run out at the end of the show. And um, I'm gathering up baby faces to run out and um, when um, I look over at Q, he doesn't have any of his gear or anything. I'm, I'm like, hey, man, we need the baby faces. I need Q to run out there. And he looks at me and he goes, Q in my bag, dog. Q in my bag. Basically being like, fuck you. I already put my shit up. I ain't going. It's like, cool. Fuck you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> no, you did not tell me that shit. So um, for the longest time, people would be like, man, this mysterious Q super athletic and I'd be like I'm not fucking interested right yeah and um I for, I think it was the Mia Yim Houston Lucha show I ran into him mm-hmm. but I ran into him somewhere and we had we had at least a long enough conversation to be like really kind of figure out that he didn't he didn't know me very well then yeah and he thought I was just basically a stooge for the Taylors and he didn't realize how much the Taylors drove me fucking insane so like we kind of had a bonding moment over wow over that okay and, and just to be like hey man like to be like yeah my bad if I was shitty to you and hey my bad if I was shitty to you okay so so then it was like okay well fuck it let's make this right and because you were pretty high on Q intermittently like you would yeah. go we got to do something we got to do something well, with him well yeah it, once we got to he that just has point, he just has a cr- an incredible like. You know, and in my opinion, if he if if Snake Eyes was a wrestler, that's who that's who he would be. You know, and the the cool thing is he's blowing up now, but he's always had that ability. I just never realized how young he was too. Yeah. Um, I think Albert too was kind of pining me on it a little bit, being like, "Hey man, like, are you still fucking upset about the fucking bag thing? You know, like enough to like bury the hatchet on it." Um, and then I was like, oh, fuck, this guy's still really talented. No one's figured it out. But yet. this this was a wild opener. Let's go get it. Yeah. yeah, this was a wild opener. And these guys, these guys tore the house down and got the crowd on their feet. And they set the bar. They set that they set that 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 level of high energy that the crowd really didn't come down from. So yeah. it, this is all over the Internet. Yeah. Like I post this every time anyone at least fucking six do something. So like, yeah, it's great. It's, it's been reposted a couple of times. Yeah. Just the, the, you look at the, the caliber of talent where they where they you know, are after this point, and uh, it's uh, it's remarkable, man. Yeah, let's break it down. Like, F- Def has been on AEW Dark, right? Not signed, but has been hi- uh, highlighted. AQA is in NXT now. Fuego is in fucking um, AEW. AEW. Um, 
2D or Shinsen has been highlighted and showcased on the NWA. And uh, Q is like one of the hottest free agents, was one of the standouts of WrestleMania weekend last yep. year, no matter what you think about like whether or not that should have happened or not. But like still, like matches happened and he fucking shined. Yeah. yeah. So this was a great match. You look at the, you look at where they went, you know, I mean, got to look at where they probably would have gone with us for a given a little bit more time. Um, but man, like a card talent right there. Oh, yeah. It, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, the the fly death team with AQA goes over. I think she she hit the shooting star, right? Yeah, yeah, that was the big thing. Yeah, I, I wanted to make sure that shooting star got put in. Yeah. Um, you know, just phenomenal match, great opener, exactly what we were looking for out of it. So up next we have uh, uh, kind of a Haas match yeah, uh, for Biss as a Biss match, um, singles match with Thomas Shire and Kiefer Bartek. And I had a, I had pretty lofty designs here. As we kind of go into these next two cards, I guess I can talk about some of the stuff that we were going to do because a lot of this stuff ain't coming back, folks. Yeah. Not, not, not when we come back because it's just like it was a thing of its time. And I think when we come back, there's been so much so much space between when we last ran and, and uh, you know, when we do come back that it's just kind of like hit the refresh button. Yeah. You know what I mean? So my initial plan for Thomas Shire was to have him come in and be managed by Roxy. And we did a vignette where basically Thomas Shire comes up to Ethan, uh, you know, Ethan, big, strong boy, and asks for Roxy's contact and, you know, kind of demonstrates an interest in being managed by her. And, of course, Ethan uh, acts a little jealous, a little like, why do you want her contact, you know? And the whole idea was that we were going to build uh, uh, Ethan up as to as being jealous, but also have Thomas being really shitty to Ethan and kind of suggesting to Roxy, like, you know, hey, man, I'm the player and this guy is just whatever. And we were going to build up a Thomas heel turn and an Ethan, you know, feud with him. Um, it, we had we had some really fun ideas that we were going to run with. But of course, that that was not to be. This is a great uh, this is a great match. Um, I was really happy with this match. Yeah. Um, Kiefer, since retired. Um, Sucks because, like, at this point, he was doing, like, the sheriff thing, right? Yeah. A lot of what he was doing was, like, comedy-driven. Mm -hmm. And Kiefer had some other chops to him that I I wish that we would have had a chance to kind of explore more. Well, this is one of them, I think. This yeah. is one of those moments where we kind of get to show Kiefer yeah. as, a, as a badass. Yeah, that's why I really enjoyed this match, yeah. was that we were able to show that side, right? Yeah. Well, I think he was kind of like the straight man to Cam's flamboyant yeah, that, uh, dick, and, you know? And the, I, I really felt like the more we drove that way, the better the act would have yeah. Have, uh, come across. Yeah, but this this is a great match, and this was of course setting up Shire to kind of slip into Roxy's stable to build up this feud with Ethan. Um, I think Ethan and Shire also really wanted that feud because they were you know they had chemistry and and they were I think becoming friends at that point. Um, but anyway, after that we have something that we called the Future Kill Tournament, which is I think it actually began back at AFS. Um, but the, the, we had this idea where we, where we were going to do a multi-show tournament and uh, whoever won it basically got an opportunity to get a title shot of their choice. And we were working toward Jenna Lynn uh, becoming uh, 
you know, a little higher on the yeah. card. I was really, pu- I was really actually toying with the idea of putting the Inspire Pro Championship on her. I wanted to actually take one of our main belts and put a female, uh, like put a, put it around a female's waist. I thought that would would have been really interesting to have your primary title, since we had decided that we had eroded the gender barriers and that anybody could compete for any title. And Jenna was supremely over. I thought it would have been a really interesting idea. I think we pumped the brakes on it just a little bit. But we still kind of had this in the back of our head, and the future kill winner was uh, was something that we were like going to give her to kind of build her up. Uh, and in this in this match, we had uh, uh, Hyann is here. Well, it was nice to have her back, man. Yeah. I love her. Um, and we also had Alabama, and we had uh, Miranda, yeah. uh, Lee's. Um Ali's coming off of the uh, the death match show performance here. Yes, where her, her and. Um, Sky Lacrimosa fucking killed it. Like, um, so she has a little bit of, of edge to her. And then Miranda, Miranda's showing up in Mexico. She's showing up. She was. Places. She's amazing here. Yeah, she's um, really good talent. She's from Houston. Um, I saw her and I was just like, holy shit, she's ready and she has presence. Yeah. You know. Um, so, just a weird eclectic group of people at different points in their career uh, in this four way. And it came off really good. Uh, I think Hyann and Miranda really kind of took the uh, the reins on this. Yes, they did. And uh, really helped this match along. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, good sound female... Uh, driven match uh, was really excited about it. Is man, it, I think I, I was sitting there at that moment and looking at at these four women and thinking about how far Texas women's wrestling had come yeah. from the time that uh, even we began, where the the pool was so shallow. Like there were names here that were good, but they basically really had to carry any semblance of there being a women's scene. You know, yeah. then you had Barbie, and then you had Jessica, and of course Rachel had left just as we were beginning. Man, it was there was just there were, it was slim pickings at that time. The girls who were who were there who were good, like Athena. Yeah, you basically had you had Athena. Jessica and Doom, or I'm sorry, Athena, Jessica, and Barbie. Yeah. And then you had a young Doom coming up, but she literally in her first year. If you didn't have two of those three, it was going to be rough. But there was also just not a lot of competition for them to to, to face. So yeah. uh, the I, I shied away from the women's uh, division stuff, I think, at that uh, in the early years, just because it was not cost effective to keep flying in yeah. competition you're number two we um i mean this is jumping way back but when we had Porsche perez like part of bringing Porsche perez in was to, to help build a host a fucking remember this the seminar yeah to be like okay fuck help us build <laughs> like yeah so yeah it is pretty crazy to go to this and and be able to have i mean this is all texas talent even though I think at this point Hyann's in Chicago and Miranda's living in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are all Texas-born wrestlers. Yeah. Uh, after after that, we have um, a title defense between uh, Rachel Rose and Thunder Rosa. Rachel Rose had won one half of the uh, vacated, well, the vacated belt at that time uh, in the previous show, so she became uh, unlikely 
uh, champs with Thunder Rosa. Now, Rachel is with the cool, so she's a little, not even a little, she is blatantly heel-leaning, and she has a different way of doing things, whereas Thunder Rosa is very much an ethical player who relies on her abilities. And they are going up against the fan-favorite uh, reunion of DVD, which is Davy Vega and Delilah Doom. Uh, fans were ecstatic about this. I think a lot of people really thought they were going to take the titles here, but yeah. uh, we had different plans. Yeah, and this is this is sort of a, a bit of this here is, is tying a bow on, on Vega and, and Davey, right? Yeah. This is, okay, we're moving on the tag division in a different way. <clears throat> Here's the final, like, the last hurrah of, uh, of Doom and Vega. Yeah. Um, at this point... I think Thunder is uh, or Thunder Rosa is talking about how she she's got some other stuff going on yeah, she, and she's she's thinking about making an exit. I think this is the start of, of the NWA stuff. Yeah, so, so really. Thunder Rosa is involved with that as well. Yeah, and uh, so we don't know where we're going to take this, but it, 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 at the time, the plan was to basically have Rachel. Right. Thunder was supposed to basically yeah. just school Rachel. Rachel's trying to cut corners and cheat, and Thunder's just like not on my watch, girlfriend. Yeah. And so like basically, what's what happens or what's supposed to happen was their relationship was supposed to evolve between this big sister vet and this younger rookie coming in and thunder being like hey don't be stupid you're good enough to do this on your own stop cutting corners stop listening to the cool stop listening to these other guys who are in your ears this isn't how we do this you're good enough you're strong enough and it was supposed to really evolve into rachel becoming uh, or coming into her own yeah. and the cool really having problems with thunder yeah. rosa cool. and you know we were basically building to rosa and uh I think, I think like Cam yeah. or something. And, and like the idea too was like the cool was going to have a huge 2020. Yeah. You know, like they were kind of a big centerpiece of what we were doing. Absolutely. Um, and I think you see where we're headed uh, with him by the next show. I, uh, I'm going to jump in one other thing. I think I know we're, we're probably up against time, but um, j just keep in mind too, we had just kind of settled the fucking cherry leaving the company. Um, situation right god and, and then like <laughs> like so we finally were starting to head in the right direction and it's like at the end of the show it's like thunder rose is like yeah i've got this thing coming up i don't know if i can make all the dates and it's like holy shit we just got to like where we're comfortable to move forward so yeah um man that was a bummer but you know we did our best um so this is this is the match where i got i i had a lot of doubt uh foisted on me uh this is the pre-intermission match where ricky starks is defending the inspire pro pure prestige title and i knew if i put these pieces together in the ring that we were going to get a banger fucking match and i i don't know what the concern was i i i but i i knew that we needed to kind of move forward and start building talent we needed to find i think like one of the names that somebody threw at us was warhorse um there were a few other names that we had on the table. I think we were even talking about Effie at this point, but Effie couldn't make it. Yeah, Effie couldn't um, make this show. Yeah, sure. and so I wanted to do something that harkened back to some super academia history. And so we decided to take Joe Tomorrow, Mark Champion, and Prince Adam and put them in a four-way with Ricky because I knew that we could put something together that was really banging. We had Joe, Mark, and Adam cut promos leading up to this match. And, you know, I think uh, I, th I think it's fair to say that, man, Adam uh, blew me away with this he promo. He killed it. Adam has something special, man. That guy's gifted. So this is, it's kind of funny because, like, I feel like Adam's so much of an Inspire guy. Yeah. But, like, he's only had two or three matches 
Yeah. Right? The prominent matches in Inspire, like, not counting the Battle Royal. Um, but, like, that was the moment where it was like, holy shit, like, there's something here. Yeah, I, I really had some some special ideas for Adam and still do. Um, he will definitely be a huge uh, part of our company's identity if he will have us when we move forward in whatever capacity that we do. But this match was a banger fucking match. It's like... It was good. Yeah. I, and I remember the concern, but, like, seriously, like, w- there's just this oh. weird magic when people from the same school wrestle each other. Yeah. And these guys are so close and, well, like, study the same I mean, stuff. I mean, the interesting thing is that the month leading up to this match, they had time to go into the school and work out ideas, yeah. spots. They had their chemistry down, of course, beforehand. They had a lot of respect amongst each other. They all they all kind of looked up to Ricky, you know, kind of. They did. Everybody yeah. I think I think I don't think anybody would deny the fact that if you know Ricky uh really well and you've seen a lot of his work, in my opinion, and this is bold, he is the best seller in the business today. He hasn't had uh, a lot of the opportunity to show all he can do yet. And I think that's great. But when he is, because he's got a lot to show, man, when he gets, when he gets to that spot in AEW and I have no doubt that he will, he's going to blow people away. He's going to be, he's going to be bigger than he is now, you know? Um, but yeah, this match. Yeah. So like people were good. I, I think to some people, this match wasn't sexy in terms of star power but in terms of ability in terms of potential in terms of what these guys could do in the ring with with each other uh the president and inspire has been set and technically as a wrestling match this match is fucking great yeah and you you have to keep in mind like you're comparing it to our formula you're not comparing it to fucking like monday night raw's formula or any other formula no right like and maybe going forward, this will change, right? Yeah. But as of now, we run six shows a year. Yeah. Right? Those shows have to tell stories show to show. We don't have fucking uh, four weeks of TV to build up to a no. contender. There has to be a compelling story for that match that fits in the history of our company, right? And is linear to to that point. The, the options there, you, you can sit there and pull shit out of your ass and go, oh, man, this match would be amazing. But story-wise, it doesn't fit with no. what the story of our company is. So and, and it, if we just did that, we would just be fucking yeah. one of these super indies. But the the benefit of that, that you, you probably don't look back and go, oh, man, I'm glad that they did that there, is when something pays off and you get that great fucking moment and you get yeah. that good serotonin fucking release... It's been built on matches like this so that there is history to then go off of. Yeah. And we also have a conclusion to this match after the bell is rung and Ricky kind of puts the guys over who are there as being like this next wave of Texas wrestling. We have Steve Arino arrive. And, uh, you know, when following the match at the last show, I don't think we really went into it. Steve-O kind of lost his shit and attacked Ricky. He went full heel at the conclusion of that show and smashed Ricky with the belt, left him lying. And this was a really weird situation because post, like, post-match, like Ricky was pretty emphatic. He said, like, that match was grueling. Steve-O was too stiff. Is it fair for me to say this? Yeah. And he said he didn't enjoy wrestling him. And he, uh, like, there's tension between them. They don't like each other. I think that's fair to say. And Ricky yeah. didn't want to work him again. So there was no potential of another program coming up. And so we we're 
left holding this bag. And we know that Ricky's about to kind of evaporate and go somewhere else. Right. Yeah. So we have Ricky. We have Steve-O who actually teaches at AAPW as well. Yeah. Um, he comes out and he kind of gives what I think is a pretty stellar promo that trashes the guys in the ring and basically makes it look like Ricky's kind of Ricky owes him uh, a, a rematch. Yeah. But what we're really setting up here is actually the Super Academia guys, uh, the new wave having to get by Steve-O, who has posited himself as a gatekeeper type uh, demon. Yeah. And in here we have the pinball, the pinfall wizard, and he's doing this kind of like black sabbath kind of intro and he's wearing a conical hat and and you know we i had some plans where i was actually going to have steve-o do something that <clears throat> led to an explanation as to why ricky leaves yeah but as things are want to do <laughs> they changed uh they changed but uh yeah this is you know i think we're gonna have to like pull the curtain call the curtain on this show yeah. this episode but yeah, let's talk about this match a little. You got any thoughts on it uh, and I just mean, this conclusion? The, the match itself was was great. I don't have any other thoughts on there. Uh, the the Steve-O turn was fun, too, because there was there was stuff happening in wrestling that he kind of alluded to in those promos mm-hmm. that I really thought were juicy and we could latch on to. Yeah. Um, Some of the best storylines are actually just really based on things that are true. Yeah. Well, and, and like... So the 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 one that I love the most, and, and I hate... I almost hate to, like, put the cat out of the bag because it may be something we could still tap into, but like there was the point of like, why am I not getting these opportunities? Why are these people that are just these crazy gimmicks, these meme wrestlers getting these opportunities? There was a little bit of that in there. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, like the funny part there is Steve Hollywood knives, the fucking pinfall wizard with the wizard hat and the chain mail and the every fucking gimmick possible. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, under, under the hat is the one going what the fuck's up with all these gimmicks getting the opportunities right I but, think I think we actually had an idea of doing some like him versus the meme wrestlers, the meme I, think, wrestlers yeah. I think one actual match that we had talked about trying to do something with uh, something like maybe we would be permitted to do business but we talked about doing something with Steve-O and Danhausen absolutely yeah because Donovan Danhausen was pinned by Steve Arena. Yep. Right? But Donovan Danhausen became Danhausen became this huge star and Steve's still grinding away. So yeah. it's like, no fuck, I was front first in line. What I, happened? Yeah, I think I think as of right now, Steve has found some other things in his life that make him happy, that that assuage a lot of his frustration. He's been doing some acting. Um, which I think is something we can actually really hook on to moving forward as well. Um, I'm interested to kind of like play with that. Uh, but he's been doing extra work. Um, and uh, he's, you know, he's in a, I think, a, a fairly solid relationship at this point. But um, one of the things that frustrated me about Steve-O was that he would kind of act like he wasn't being given ultimate opportunities. But if you really look back on his history in our company, he was always kind of like poised, you know, in a, in a spot to really succeed. And I think he did. And you can see it with how over he is, you know? Um, But I, I really felt like he was just not happy unless he was the main guy holding the belt. And I, I personally feel like the belt should have gone on him. I really do, because I, I knew that Ricky was limited in terms of where he was going to go, and we weren't going to get a title change, no matter what, that really fucking mattered. Yeah, 
I've, I've spoken my piece on it. Like, yeah. You know, you know. anyway. It, I, I get it, but I've spoken my piece on it. Well, I just, I, I don't think he needed to go out. I don't think he needed a, a brief title run. I don't, I think, I think that we could have run, like going, I think we should have been less concerned with how Ricky went out and getting that title run in. Because I know, I know the point of yeah. you're making. It's like, okay, he's going on to bigger things. We can say that he held the title, blah, 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 blah. That's something you can market. But to me, Story-wise, in terms of the health of our cards, in terms of the health of our storylines, and actually just making people excited to come see the shows, I personally thought there was a lot more potential in uh, Steve taking that belt from Ricky, and and also Ricky chasing because Ricky can fall off, you know. It didn't really matter. Yeah. But anyway, uh, this is this is we're gonna wrap this up here. We'll be back next week. We'll finish up uh, License to Death Wish three, answer some questions. But man, uh, we may have to stretch this out for another three episodes. <laughs> I don't know. Go. We keep talking like this. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll we'll see you next week, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah.